I'm feeling kind of dizzy. Yeah. Is that normal? Yeah, we're just going to lay you down a little bit. Did you call the doctor? Let him know what's going on? I might never encounter a hemorrhaging mother who I need to immediately assess, but I will certainly encounter a scared family member who doesn't know what's going on. When we last heard from Julia Thompson, it was in our earlier episode, Fake Patients, Real Stress. Julia is a nursing major who knows all about the world of medical simulation, where students test run healthcare situations before they really happen. We walk through that world with Jamie Musler. He introduced us to the robotic human simulators, the fake patients. They can sweat, they can urinate, they can seize. What can't they do? But as we found out, there's actually a lot they can't do. Their skin doesn't feel like real skin. Um, they don't bend in the same way a real person does. They don't close their mouths, do they? They do not. These might seem like minor details, but on top of all that, they don't feel. And even if they could, there's so much that a real person experiences that these lifeless bodies can't. And those differences are a big deal when you're trying to teach students how to treat people. Doctors need to know that pain comes from life, not just from injury. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus, a conversation with Northeastern University's groundbreaking researchers. We connect what's going on in their labs to what's going on in your life. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson. As we heard in the first part of this story, so much of learning how to be a nurse is understanding people. It really is the human element that's different from just reading the books. But how much of that human element can students really gather from robotic patients? Not much. So someone like Jamie might post an ad for actors, and someone like Liz Hartley might answer. Do you have a background in acting? I have no background in acting. I came by this by accident, and it truly is my absolute favorite job that I've ever had. Um, I come in, I receive a script, and it gives me a character, a background, um, a purpose that I'm here for. Today, the lesson is dealing with cranky patients who ask for more medication. Can you give us your best um, pain sounds or like? <laughs> um, I, I don't really think I could. Um, okay. This medicine is not working. Where is the doctor? My back is hurting. Liz is making up for what the human simulators can't do. Like in that example that Julia gave. I might never encounter a hemorrhaging mother who I need to immediately assess, but I will certainly encounter a scared family member who doesn't know what's going on. Liz would be the scared family member. That's a hard thing to recreate without people. But once you get the people, people like Liz, it takes almost no training at all, which is good because she doesn't have any. I'm wondering if you could speak more generally about like what makes a convincing scene. What does it take to really embody a, a true condition or a situation as an actor? Well, for instance, I have back pain and I actually have back pain today and it kind of makes me cranky. So, you know, they don't say to be cranky, but that's how it comes out for me. That's how it's real for me. And this is exactly what Jamie is looking for. One of the fundamental differences between patient actors and real actors is real actors are trained to create emotion, and they do that by exaggerating. Our actors are trained to be as close to real as possible, and that's very different. Can you tell me a story um, about maybe one of your favorite or one of the most believable situations that when you were an actor? I really can because there was one of the first ones I did was a student had overdosed and I was a, a mother and there was a girlfriend and on the floor was the, one of the mannequins or what are they called? Are they called mannequins? Yeah. yeah, the guys. And 
the thing was he had overdosed and I was the mother and he actually looked like my son, the mannequin with the, the wig on and was actually wearing the exact same boxer shorts that my son actually had. And I have actually found my son in that situation, not as bad as in the sim lab. But, you know, I actually, going through the thing, it was so emotional and we were all yelling and screaming and, you know, the students were trying to control everything. And I actually started gagging because it was just, that had happened years ago, you know, but it, it brought it up. It was so real. Anytime one of our learners is in the lab, um, it's real. We never turn off while they're in here. So they only see the lab when it's functioning in the environment we want. And because of that, the actors have to know that as long as there's a student here, no matter what's going on, you have to stay enrolled. And even when the simulation ends, you continue to stay enrolled until the learners leave the room. Cue human number two, Susan Leskin. Like Liz, do you have any professional acting experience or any kind of training? None whatsoever. But she makes a pretty convincing case. Yeah, my name is Georgina Samuelweish, and I'm in a lot of pain right now. Uh, they gave me a Percocet for this, and it, was, it helped me for a while, but it, the pain is back, and I really need something else. And I'm very, very uncomfortable. Please, please, please do something here, please. And also, like Liz... Are there any real-life situations that you've experienced, um, you know, as a mother, as a patient um, that you draw on when you're acting? I do periodically get back pain, and I'm currently playing a woman with back pain. And I, the irritability that, that comes from people who, in real life who have back pain, I think I'm able to draw on that irritability, and it's sometimes too much in this simulation. So I think I was a little bit too irritable this morning. (laughs) When Jamie looks for patient actors, he's not looking for professional training. He's not even looking for people who have had some kind of experience that informs the role. It just happens, just like back pain happens. But like Liz, Susan also had an emotional tie that triggered a reaction during one of the simulations. It's the purest but least intentional method acting you can imagine. There was a mother that I played last year of a, an out-of-control teenage daughter. S- some social service person came in to try to deal with this situation, and the mother w- was, I think, in denial of the issues and not able to handle them. And I found that a bit difficult, probably because um, even though I'm at my advanced age, I have a daughter um, who went through some difficult stuff and it's a little bit close to home. That's why it's important to use as many real people in this process as possible. Certain situations call for people who've actually lived through them. For not being the real thing, these actors are pretty darn close. They bring their pain, memories, and random daily circumstances, things caretakers have no way to see coming yet have to accommodate anyway, because they'll always arise, unscripted. A lot of medical care has to be by the book, but for the rest of it, being an ordinary person with no acting training is exactly the point. Thank you. It's just good to know you're here. Of course. I'm really scared. Everything's going to be just fine. Are you okay if I start and place the catheter? Special thanks to Jamie Musler, the Director of Interprofessional Medical Simulation and the Arnold S. Goldstein Simulation Labs in the Bouvet College of Health Sciences at Northeastern University. Thanks also to Liz Hartley and Susan Luskin, the fabulous patient actors. 
Sound engineering by Anthony Polito. Our editor is David Filipov. From News at Northeastern, this is Litmus. We're News at Northeastern reporters Aria Bracci and Emily Arnson. Catch you next time.